to Pixel Therapy, the video game podcast where we look at the games we play through the lens of the player, where what you play is just as important as how you play it, and where emotional intelligence is a critical stat. I'm your co-host, Jamie, pronoun she, her. And I'm your co-host, Spencer, pronouns they, them. And this is Pixel Therapy. Uh, let's jump into our housekeeping section here. We've got a little bit to say today, um, starting with a quick note that we're shaking up our schedule a little bit. Um, if you've been a longtime listener of Pixel Therapy, you know that we love to do a Game of the Year episode every year. And traditionally, we have done that in December, but we are changing things this go around. We are moving that <laughs> conversation into January to give us a little bit more time to play all of the games. There's just been There's so too many, many games. games. There's too many games. <laughs> and plus, I think, you know, if you're going to talk about the game of the year, the year has to have concluded, right? Yeah. So <laughs> so we're going to be having that conversation at the beginning of January. Um, and in order to kind of give us a little break around the holidays um, and make this all work, uh, we're changing things up a little bit, but it's all to your benefit. It means you're going to get a little more pixel therapy than you would have <laughs> otherwise, um, which is that instead of our usual four weeks between public episodes, the next public episode um, will actually be in three weeks coming out on December 19th. And then you'll get the game of the year episode three weeks after that on January 9th. So just all to your benefit. You're welcome. <laughs> you're, you're welcome. Instead <laughs> of uh, eight weeks to get two episodes, you got six weeks to get two episodes. So yeah, you're, you're very welcome. Something and- to look forward <laughs> to in the darkest depths of the winter. <laughs> oh gosh. Yes, exactly. Um, now let's do our Patreon shout outs. Uh, this is our special thank you that we give to everyone who subscribed at our Patreon name in the credits tier. Uh, so that's a very big thank you. To Genevieve, Lindsay, Pimhatai, CD Mess, Ava, Sammy, and Alexis. Thank you all so much for your support. We really, really appreciate it. Um, remember, if you want to get your name in the credits, you can hop on over to patreon.com slash pixel therapy pod, uh, where you can sc- subscribe for free to get updates about our streams and public episodes. Or for as little as $2 a month, you can get access to a monthly bonus episode of Pixel Therapy that's exclusive to Patreon subscribers. Um, and for our Patreon bonus episode for November, we talked about Dave the Diver and Spider-Man 2. Uh, because heroes, yeah, heroes come in all shapes and sizes. <laughs> uh, and new subscribers to the Patreon also get access to the entire backlog of bonus episodes that stretch all the way back to November of 2020, because we have been doing this for a minute now. Mm-hmm. Um, that's over three years worth of content for just $2. Seems like a pretty good deal to me, but what do I know? (laughs) Uh, So if you're looking for a little more pixel therapy in your life, uh, definitely come check out that Patreon page, page, which again is patreon.com slash pixel therapy pod. One of these days, I'll learn how to talk. (laughs) Uh, If you're looking for other ways to support the show, please consider rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. Every review there matters for small podcasts like us. And remember that we also recently began streaming over on YouTube. Um, And we would love to see you at a stream. You can catch us live on Tuesdays and Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern time with our video game Let's Play series, where we're currently working our way through a full game playthrough of Alan Wake 2 on Tuesdays and rotating in smaller games on Thursdays. And you can find us streaming on select weekends, such as this one, uh, for our live podcast recordings. So be sure to come on over to Pixel Therapy Pod YouTube channel, subscribe, click that bell icon, get notifications every time we go live. And of course, after all that, know that no matter how you choose to engage with us we appreciate you being here all the same all right it's time to get cozy pull up an armchair feel free to lie down on the couch let's Mm. talk about our feelings spencer how are you well jamie in the (laughs) 
23 hours since I last saw you. Uh, I've been good. I, I've been holding back. Uh, I mean, as, as most of you know by now, we usually are on here talking for like maybe an hour or more before we start hitting the record button. Yeah, but I was holding back on telling you about this amazing sandwich that I had yesterday night after you left. Um, You're holding out a sandwich story on me? what the heck oh right context we spent um thanksgiving together uh also like yes we did it was delightful it was delightful it was delightful it has to be said obviously like uh we don't think thanksgiving the like (laughs) the traditional narrative around thanksgiving is incorrect trash 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 yeah um and it's it's also known as national day of mourning here in the u.s um which is specifically uh celebrated honored by indigenous folks um yeah so we are not celebrating thanksgiving in the sense that we are celebrating settler colonialism um, instead, it is a time where we get a little bit of space off of work uh, and can come together for food and for family and friends. Yes. Yeah. yes. And chosen family and and food. That mm-hmm. which brings us all together. And yeah. so <laughs> with that in mind, um, you know, I <laughs> had this amazing sandwich. <laughs> um, I wanted to tell you about it because... <laughs> Because um, <laughs> you know, I appreciate a good sandwich. <laughs> I appreciate a good sandwich, and because, like, I don't know. I last year, I like, I kind of went off scripts. We did a whole like smoked duck situation, yes. yeah. And this year, um, I thought I'd kind of go back to basics. Um, we had a turkey. We had stovetop stuffing because mm-hmm. that's the only good stuffing. Um, I <laughs> have hundreds of angry listeners sending us their family sorry. stuffing recipes. Please, please send them. <laughs> I had canned cranberry that I forgot to put out for dinner. Mm-hmm. But what I did was I took four King's Hawaiian rolls mm-hmm. as one piece of bread and yes. I cut them <laughs> as <half>. God intended. <laughs> I put Kewpie mayo, which is Japanese mm-hmm. mayo yeah. made with extra yolks. And it's so freaking good. I could just eat it, which I is very like unheard of for me to say about mayonnaise. But Kewpie mayo is in its own category. Uh-huh. So I toasted my King's Hawaiian roll. I put the Kewpie mayo. I put the stuffing. I put the cranberry. I put the turkey. I put more mayo. Of course. I put that all together. And it was like transcendent. That sounds Um, pretty good. So that's what I did last night. Did you put a little gravy on there too? (laughs) So, you know, I held back on the gravy because with the cranberry and the mayo, I was like, uh, I wanted to, uh, I was recreating in the style of um, a sandwich known as the Bobby from my hometown of Wilmington, Delaware, there's this sandwich chain called Capriati's mm-hmm. that has since spread outside of the Delmarva area, but year round, they have this amazing sandwich that has those exact components. I've been craving it like crazy. And so I made it happen in my kitchen. Nice. Um, that's all I got. <laughs> that's amazing. How are I mean, you? Sounds, sounds really good. 
Honestly, and I think I feel like the cranberry, like I don't necessarily want the cranberry out at the meal. Like I feel yeah. like the cranberry is better on the sandwiches. On the Select sandwiches, applications so. for sure. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. That might be a hot take. Um, I'm yeah. good. We've been recuperating. Uh, yes. We had a lot of fun uh, with you and your housemates good. and your partner and everyone. It was great. We were so appreciative to get to be part of all of that. Um, but as an introvert, <laughs> that's a lot yeah. of concentrated socializing. <laughs> um, so I was uh, grateful to you come home, sleep in my own bed for a night. <laughs> I have to say we had a very gay Thanksgiving. We watched But I'm a Cheerleader and Bottoms. <laughs> yes, we did. Feature. We did. Great movies. Great really movies. Proud of us. Bottoms <laughs> is like one of my favorite movies like ever now that very quickly yeah. jumped high up my list. If folks haven't seen that, I highly recommend it. Uh, as someone who really loves like heightened absurdist humor, uh, the comedy is just so up mm. my alley. And mm. yeah, I, every time I watch it, I notice something new that's going on in the background or in the fast paced dialogue. And yeah, so it's giving and, you know, but I'm a cheerleader is just a classic. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. back to our roots we did yeah you're right we did have a very uh queer <laughs> queer thanksgiving and we also played a lot of dominoes oh <laughs> I, don't think, my I don't know if dominoes are queer yes. but <laughs> they are now <laughs> they are now we've queerified them um and rummy cube which mm-hmm. i hadn't played mm-hmm. in a very long time but you brought back into my life grateful you're for welcome. that <laughs> yeah so was uh, cool. dominoes was so good to play those bones throwing those bones around the table so uh so satisfying to feel them so heavy in your hands yeah they are they're so heavy they got that great clink great Uh, asmr yeah just rubbing them around the table mixing them up yeah it was a very good time it was a very good time (laughs) i am not looking forward to going back to work tomorrow oh my god sam don't even talk about it (laughs) sorry sorry never mind Uh, uh instead let's talk about the game that we've been playing yes why don't we talk about that instead rather than work? Bleh. Uh, we've both been playing a delightful game called Thirsty Suitors. Um, the Steam page describes it as a stylish, story-driven, turn-based RPG. Battle your exes, disappoint your parents, and find yourself. Play as Jala on her journey to heal the wounds of her past through fantastical turn-based combat, skateboarding, and cooking. Three things that obviously go together. Mm-hmm. Uh, the game was developed by Outer Loop Games. Uh, they're the makers of Falcon Age, uh, published by Annapurna Interactive. Um, they Outer Loop Games uh, is a cool company. They were established in 2017. They're minority-led, fully distributed game studio, creating games about underrepresented culture and themes. Um, and the team is spread across the U.S., Canada, U.K., Australia, India, and China. Uh, and Thirsty Suitors was released on basically every platform uh, and at the beginning of November of this year. And we actually played it on an earlier spotlight session stream um spencer played it and mm-hmm. started the game um just a couple weeks ago um but at this point now we've played quite a bit more of it i myself have finished the game and actually platinumed it because i have a problem nice uh and that took about 15 hours all in to do okay. everything in the game fully complete it um i played it on ps5 where are you at with the game spencer what uh how much have you played what are you playing on yeah um, I'm about nine, nine and a half hours in. Um, Thanksgiving planning really like threw me off. Also, <laughs> I could not put down Dave the Diver. But anyway, regardless, <laughs> I'm fully. I'm that being said, I'm fully in it now. I'm loving Thirsty okay. Suitors. Um, okay. I'm on. I'm. 
I would say probably like 75% of the way through the story, maybe 80%. Um, yeah, yeah. And I'm playing it on the Steam Deck, mm-hmm. um, which I need to... I'm I'm basically like... <laughs> my Steam Deck is topping out at like two hours battery life. So oh. I'm just like rushing back. I'm like, the cord, the cord. I'm at 3%. <laughs> I'm, in, and I'm in the middle of this battle. Like, my yeah. God. So... Um, yeah, Steve Deck, great little guy. Um, <laughs> needs sleepy, needs to sleepy time quite often, so <laughs> needs his naps. Um, yep. say, yeah, but yeah. having a good time. <laughs> good, good. And uh, what are you thinking of the game so far? I love all thoughts. Oh my gosh, I just love how I just love everything about it. I love the silly <laughs> yeah. little extra ass animation. Oh my god, yeah. I love how loud and proud and queer every character is. Yes. Um, I love the interact, the family interactions and the interactions with Jala's parents. Yes. Um, you know, uh, so I am shiny. not South Asian, but I am Southeast Asian. And there are some like <laughs> through lines there in terms of like dynamics and uh, known um, kind of like family vibes and um you know cultural touchstones of what it's like to grow up within um like a first generation home that i find incredibly <laughs> relatable um and so it's just like so awesome um I, I know the the game's creators have said that this is not a game designed to represent uh a whole culture but it is a game talking about Jala's point of view and her story. And mm-hmm. I just think um, all of that is awesome to even have this be a thing. Like it, like it is, it's cool to, to have a game that's not just like no game should be under the pressure to speak for an entire culture to begin with. Um, there should be more games representing diverse um, uh, stories and, and, and perspectives. And so, um, I love that this game exists. I love everything about it, the music, um, the combat, the way it just, we'll get into it, but it's a great game. Everyone should play it and it's hilarious and fun and thirsty and, (laughs) and all of the different activities are amazing for my ADHD brain. I love that I can cook and skateboard and do challenges and run around and it, it almost has a retro feel. Mm-hmm. Um, like kind of early aughts adventure games. Um, like there's just something about the maybe it's the animation style or just the kind of unapologetic surreal wackiness mm-hmm. that reminds me of almost like games like Crash Bandicoot. Um, or even like the if anyone remembers the Simpsons hit and run game where you could run around Springfield and it was actually like a great game. Anyway. It's just, it's got those early 2000s video game vibes where it's not taking itself so seriously mm-hmm. in the best way possible. Oh, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I, that's me. How? What do you think about those <laughs> I I really uh, fell in love with this game. You know, we're, we'll get more into all the specifics soon. And I, I don't, it's not a perfect game. I, there's some things about it that I feel like you get a little repetitive or maybe a little grindy where it doesn't mm. need to be. But overall, in terms of the uh, the narrative and the presentation and the art, the design of it, the music, the voice acting, there's so many aspects of this game that are just absolutely hitting uh, in, in every way. Uh, I really enjoyed my time with it. I really uh, felt so... I just really loved the story. 
I love how, uh, you know, we're talking a little, you mentioned representation, like the game is incredibly diverse and, and like every character, it, everything is a little heightened, right? Characters are heightened. Their attributes about them are heightened. Um, the animation style, the motion, all that is heightened. It's all uh, almost like cartoonified a little bit yeah. um, and kind of made it, it's exaggerated. Everything is, you know, heightens the heightens the word that I'm looking for there. Um, and yet it it all still feels incredibly grounded in terms of the dialogue and the acting, like the portrayal of the characters mm. and what they're saying and the the real emotional beats that are happening between characters all feel super grounded. Um, that's such a difficult kind of, you know, needle to thread there um, between those yeah. two things. And to have so many different um, perspectives being represented and you mentioned that the developers are saying, like, this is Jala's story. And yet, like, the representation in this game is, like, vast. There's such a huge variety. Like, there's almost no identity that we only see one version of mm. in the game. There's so, mm -hmm. you know, there's multiple queer characters. There's a non-binary character. There's a trans character. There's um, characters who are Im whose families are immigrants from different countries. You know, a lot of mm -hmm. the characters in the game are are South Asian um, or Middle Eastern, but there's uh, you know there's also representation from a character whose family are South African immigrants and how mm -hmm. what their relationship with queerness and their family is. So the game really tries to, while being really specific like that, it's actually able to represent a lot of different identities, and none of it feels like. It doesn't it doesn't feel glossed over. It doesn't feel like uh, they're they're being vague in any way because it's so hyper specific that it ends up really ringing true mm. uh, for, I, I think, a lot of a lot of folks who are coming to the game. Yeah. Um, and even as someone who doesn't share any of, you know, my my parents weren't immigrants. I'm not a person of color like I'm all none of that is applying. There's still so much in terms of the queer narrative that resonates in terms of just the interpersonal relationships. There's even aspects of the family dynamics that resonate for me, even though, you know, so there's so yeah, much that yeah. you can get out of this game. You don't uh, you don't necessarily have to subscribe to any of those identities to feel a connection with the characters that are being presented. Mm -hmm. So. Mm -hmm. I just, yeah, I think narratively speaking, it's an absolutely lovely game. Um, and I think a really good, grounded, and kind of ultimately small story being told, which those always mm -hmm. resonate with me the most. So mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. big fan of Thirsty Cedars, and, and we'll get into this more. But let's let's start talking a bit about, I wanted to start maybe by talking about some of the story and themes in writing, and then getting into the gameplay, which is really, you know, unique. Um. But we'll start by saying, you know, that in the description that I provided at the beginning uh, from Outer Loop Games, they talk about uh, you're going to uh, heal the wounds of your past through fantastical turn-based combat, um, battling your exes. Um, so, so the main thrust of the game uh, is essentially, uh, you know, it's definitely very similar to like a Scott Pilgrim narrative, if anyone's seen the film Scott Pilgrim, except instead of being you know, Scott Pilgrim, you're not the suitor coming in battling your potential partner's exes. Instead, <laughs> this is more from the perspective of Ramona Flowers. Like, you are the person who has broken all of the hearts, and you're going through and battling slash reconciling with all of your own exes. 
Um, yeah. Jala is <laughs> presented right from the beginning as someone who is, she's kind of a shitty person, you know, or Mass. maybe maybe just a person. Yeah, I think they literally at the very beginning of the game describe her as a bisexual disaster. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes. Um, uh, she's someone who has uh, been away from her hometown for about three years. She left in a very like impulsive uh, decision and burned a lot of bridges in the process when she left. She's got a strained relationship with her family. She hasn't talked to her sister, uh, her older sister, Arnie, in six months. Um, and Arnie's actually about to get married and they they haven't been in contact with each other. I um, mean, she's not even coming back of her own volition. She's coming back because some of her choices like ended up burning her and have kind of run her course. So now she has nowhere else to go. Um, mm -hmm. But she's coming back, you know, kind of tail tucked between her legs, but still deciding that she wants to try to make amends with her family, repair her relationship with her sister, and possibly even repair some of these relationships that she left behind when she departed um, and kind of fix uh, fix all these, fix the relationships with all these people that she's, she's hurt, um, specifically her exes, but also her family. Um, and then the way they play that out is that your past suitors, the, all the hearts that you've broken, which are essentially six characters in the game, um, will show up throughout the chapters of the game, um, engaging you in these turn-based battles uh, where they are trying to work through their emotions about how Jala left things. Some of them are still very much in love with her. Some of them just want to hurt her and break her heart. Um, some of them want nothing to do with her. Uh, some of them uh, want to keep her away from other people that she's harmed. So they all have mm -hmm. their own complex uh, history and inner personal dynamics that they're working through and even while and so then while the battle is playing out uh you're in conversation with the character that you're fighting with working through your personal issues um as part of the battle which which is just a really cool way to intermix the story and the gameplay yeah. um all of the dialogue is written out on the screen uh kind of similar to how you would see with like a visual novel or something like that but it's also all fully voice acted the voice acting is fantastic so good so fucking good um you've got uh oh there went my train of thought <laughs> you've got Bye. all that all that great representation that you talked about um coming back to some of the lgbtq representation that's in the game you know the game also makes a point of showing uh you know it's a very specific situation of of jala and how her queerness intersects with her south asian identity um her uh, father is Sri Lankan and her mother is Indian. So there's conversation happening there too. Like they're representing those specific uh, cultures and how that intersects and how, you know, Jala has, has a foot in both of those camps. Um, but with the, with her, you know, her queerness and her family is very supportive of her queerness, but they also make the point to show another character in the game whose South Asian parents are not supportive and actually ostracize the character. And there's also mm -hmm. opportunities for Jala to have conversation with her dad about what it was like for her dad when his sister, her auntie Chandra, who is a character in the game, came out uh, as a lesbian and how the family responded to that, you know, positive and negatively and how they worked through that. So it's not um, it's not all flowers and <laughs> roses. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, they they make a point of showing the variety of uh, experiences that people can have um, in those communities when they're coming out. Um, yeah. I know you touched on this a tiny bit. Uh, earlier, but I think 
just having you talk through some of these character interactions and the complexity there. I think something that struck me a lot about this game was just the amount of emotional maturity that's baked into the narrative and the way these characters are interacting. Like, I think that it's common in, especially in an RPG where you're supposed to put yourself fully into the shoes of the main character, like the game is designed to make you love and identify strongly with this character. Like they're the hero of this story. And in a lot of ways, Jala is like the villain of this story. Like the longer you spend with her and the more time uh, you have to learn about exactly what she has done um, to create these rifts with all of these characters. Um, I mean, at least for me, it's kind of it kind of holds up a mirror to like some of the decisions I made in my late teens and early twenties. That, like in retrospect, you know, ten plus years later, I look back on it. And I'm like, oh my god, like what was I thinking? Um, and I so I think um, like to be able to have an opportunity to work through the painful conversations of you know either admitting things that you've done that were horribly wrong or um, just being faced with the consequences of your actions um, and making choices that demonstrate just like acknowledgement of that pain and maturity and change. Um, I don't know. I, I just can't think of a game that has put me in that position and hasn't sort of like tried to, you know, justify the character the main character's actions by like, oh, well, it was what I had to do. Like there are dialogue, like you have the option in this game to respond. Like you can be like, mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Or you can be like, well, tough shit. <laughs> like, <laughs> like you can, you can do that. But I think the game doesn't let you just get away with being a huge dick. It kind of shows yeah. you like, okay, well, if you're going to make that, that choice, then here's how that, what the consequence of your actions look like. And mm-hmm. so I just, I don't know. I really, really appreciate um, that the developers of this game have clearly gone to therapy and also <laughs> that like it shows that you know queer people <laughs> fuck up too and, and yeah. we could be dicks too and we can also learn and and I think too it speaks to the strength of the queer community too that like you still see that there's love here like like why would there be why would why would folks be this upset and this angry if they didn't care a little bit deep down. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so I just think there's there's so much going on in this yeah. game. Like the longer you sit with it, the more you're like, eh, and another thing. Um, and yeah. So yeah, it's, it's great. Yeah, an incredibly rich narrative that that it on the surface sounds very again they they're playing with like these the heightened the colorful characters and all that. But once you mm-hmm. actually start getting into the meat of it, it's like oh there's there's a this is incredibly rich. There's a lot going on here. There's yeah. also this um side story so to, i don't know it's it's part of the main story but it feels side because it's not part of what's going on with the suitors but uh jala gets uh in mixed up in um some stuff that's going on in her hometown where this uh <laughs> this kind of abandoned theme park uh that has been taken over by that's become like the place where all of the skater kids go to hang out um has sort of been taken over by <laughs> this bear (laughs) uh it's this person named soundy who uh is only shown in a full bear suit bear costume um Mm -hmm. and they basically have become the leader 
of the local teenagers and the and the skate punks and they're kind of like I don't know. They're presented. The the teenagers think that Soundy's pretty cool and has their best interests at heart. Um, and Soundy is sticking up for the uh, for the the abandoned theme park to not be torn down and to be mm-hmm. maintained as a place where local teens come to spend time and to skate and to bond with each other. Um, and that seems fine enough, except that Soundy is just you know they're a mysterious character. They never show their face. It's unclear how old they are. Um, it's unclear what if they have any ulterior motives with the teens. Um, and they kind of have the teens sort of blindly following them and doing their yeah. bidding. And it's kind of all under the skies of like Soundy is their leader and lord and king. Um, and so <laughs> Jala gets uh, mixed up in this because apparently when Jala was in high school, she was a local skate legend. Um, and this, you know, skateboarding is a, I, I would say it's a big part of the game in the sense that it's presented as a big part of the game. I think you can largely skip a lot of the, like there's a bunch of skating challenges in the game, but you can kind of take or leave them. So it's, yeah. it's an activity you can participate in the game. It's a, one of the three like main things that this game wears on its chest as being like what it is. It's a turn-based battler. It's a cooking sim and a skateboarding game. Um, the skateboarding and the cooking are both kind of things that you can kind of take or leave for the most part. Yeah. But anyway, I guess the skating's like your main way of traversal, right? Yeah. It's your, it's your main way of traversal. <laughs> it's a way to get around and, and kinetic movement is certainly a big part of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, but whether or not you actually, you don't have to do the skating challenges. You don't have to engage with yeah. a lot of the skating, but this whole side narrative takes place at the skate park where um, you're getting to know Soundy. You're getting to know some of the teens. Um, and Soundy wants you to basically battle your way through his generals, <laughs> essentially, or their yeah. their generals. Um, and so you're getting into fights with the teens. And and in those conversations, uh, similar to the fights that you have with your your past love interests, um, there's a lot of conversation happening. You're trying to understand why the teens are even supporting Soundy, what Soundy is doing for them, and kind of getting in their head a little bit about like. So why are you following what this person's telling you to do? Like, why do you think they're so great? Are you sure they have your best interests at heart? Um, And ultimately what that, as strange as that whole narrative kind of sounds to just describe, what it's really about is uh, supporting the young people in your community, um, finding space for them to grow and find themselves, listening to them, listening to Mm -hmm. their voices, holding those with as much weight and respect as you might hold the voices of your, you know, elders, like considering them real people who should also be listened to. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, yeah, finding ways to help take care of them and support them and, and keeping them away from people who don't have their best interests at heart, who are just kind of using them to, reach their own gains so there's there's a lot in the game too that's about coming together as a community to look after each other um especially the youth especially queer youth Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah Mm. so just some light themes (laughs) Uh, (laughs) but it handles it all really deftly like it it, this all could feel like an after-school special but it really doesn't because the the dialogue is so uh authentic and the performances are so grounded Yes. Yeah. yeah. The values just come through and uh yeah, it's great. <laughs> <laughs> um, I wanted to talk let's talk a bit now about the the gameplay and what, what that actually sure. looks like. Because we've said that it's you know it's it's unique, it's varied, there's a lot going on, but really it kind of all just boils down to QTEs, quick time events. 
um, mm -hmm. which I think mm -hmm. was a little like I don't I'm not a I'm not a quick time event hater. I know some people are really anti quick time event. And, and just to be clear, in case anyone doesn't know what I mean by this, a quick time event is essentially when a like pre animated scene will play out and button prompts will appear that you have to execute in a timely manner. Uh, sometimes it's a little bit rhythm based in thirsty suitors. They actually have like a metronome click that happens before you have to press the button. So there's definitely like a rhythm element to it that not all QTs have. So I appreciate that to try to make it a little bit easier. But essentially, yeah, you're just getting button prompts that you need to interact with in a timely manner to make yeah. the motion happen. And that's, that's the other retro thing. It reminds me of Dance Dance Revolution, sticking me back to those arcade days. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> um, but those QTEs show up in the turn-based battles. So you're still selecting mm. your move that you want to execute in the turn-based battle. And I want to talk more about the mechanics of that in a second. But once you select the move, it's a QTE plays out to actually do the move in the cooking simulations. Um, the, that whole section, you know, you go through the different steps of cooking and those are all QTEs. Um, so the QTEs are really like run through this game. If you don't enjoy QTEs or they particularly bother you, that that could be a big turnoff, I think, for some folks. I found them, you know, they didn't bother me that much. I did wish mm -hmm. that it was more varied, but, mm -hmm. you know, because I was here for the story, I didn't mind that that was the main way to engage. How did you feel about this? <laughs> QTs. I am so glad that they were not more varied because I suck hard at uh, the rhythm game stuff, especially when it starts being like up, up, down, down, left, right, left, X, A, like all at the same. I'm like, ah! <laughs> so like, um, I, I felt like at least for me as a basic gamer, I mean, in some regards, no. um, I just found that like it felt like enough for me to feel like I was working towards mastery and never got so hard that I was like frustrated and felt like I needed to put it down and come back to it later. Um, mm. Cause I think with, especially in the early game, uh, while you're still leveling up, some of the battles can feel quite long. Um, I think if I had to keep doing those same battles over and over again, I might not have progressed with as much um, enthusiasm as, as I have so far. Um, so yeah, I think, I think, yeah, it depends on if you're more of a technical skills, like you like that kind of challenge, um, or if you're someone who's more narrative driven, um, maybe you'd have a different approach, but I found it to be the exact level <laughs> I needed. Yeah, yeah. I should say I, I'm pretty sure in the options you can turn the quick time events off, oh. um, so that you don't have to engage with them. I feel like that would make the game even less interactive. Uh, mm, yeah, but maybe that you know if that's the experience that you're you're going for. Again, I think the narrative is worth playing through regardless. So if the yes. QTEs did bother you, or you didn't want to do them, or you're feeling challenged by them in any way. Uh, I do believe you can just turn them off entirely. And I love the accessibility of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's high, very accessible. I think it's great that they have that. And I guess what I mean is like the actual way that the QTs ask you to interact with them are varied. Like it's always the same depending on the move that you're doing or the cooking mm -hmm. step that you're doing. Like there it's the same, but they 
intermix uh, button presses with tapping, with holding, with uh, moving the joysticks in different directions. Like I felt like it was invariant in that sense. I guess when I say I wish it was more varied, it's like I just wish it wasn't all QTEs. Um, mm, but mm. that's it's what they did with the yeah. game, and I don't I don't hate it. It's just that's not my favorite way to mm-hmm. engage with uh with a gameplay mechanic. Um, when you're in the turn-based battles though, and you're actually picking your moves, um, the way those battles go, I thought was pretty cool thematically, even though I do think it can get repetitive as the game moves on. But the whole, I like goal with the, the battles that you're getting into is first you want to inflict a mood on your opponent. Mm. And the moods are things like, you can inflict a thirsty status. Uh, you can you can make them enraged. You can make your opponent shocked uh, by what you've said. You can try to impress them, uh, or you can break their heart. Um, when you inflict a mood, the mood effects will last from like two to three turns on the other opponent. It pretty much always makes them more subse- more susceptible to damage from specific follow up skill attacks. Um, And it also has other effects, like an opponent who is enraged uh, has a 50% chance to miss their attacks because they're too mad and they're they're swinging wildly, kind of a thing. (laughs) An opponent who's heartbroken, um, I think, takes more damage from, like, general attacks. Uh, Someone who's thirsty... they their attacks have a chance to hit themselves because they're just so smitten that they can't aim their attacks properly. <laughs> it's things like that. And the animations for those different mood statuses are magnificent. <laughs> magnificent. Uh, they Can have like a kind of emoji about- status. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. No, I was gonna say the just the inherent queerness of weakening an opponent by reading them to filth or saying something so scary that they don't even know what to do with themselves, which yeah. then opens them up yeah. for critical damage. I mean, could you think of anything gayer? I don't <laughs> think so. Yeah. It's honestly one of the most iconic parts of the game. It's just like, yes. it's, it's everything. Um, yeah. Anyway, that's all. <laughs> yeah, I love it so much. I love how many different moods they have. Really, yes. the, the only complaint I have about the mood system is that I wish that it was a little... I just wish there was a little more of an indicator of what, Mm. because so when you get into a fight with someone, they'll have a certain number of weaknesses, which are indicated by these kind of like diamond boxes that sit under their health bar. Um, And there'll just be a number of those that have kind of like, I think they have like a question mark on them or something like that. Mm -hmm. They're grayed out when you, when you first start the fight, because you don't know what their weaknesses are. And maybe there'll be one, maybe there'll be two or three. And all that tells you is that they have that number of weaknesses, but you don't know which mood they are weak to. Um, The game sort of implies at the beginning, like in the tutorial fights, that you can kind of listen to the conversation and maybe be able to guess what moods might work best on an opponent. But I didn't find... Maybe that's what they were going for, but I didn't feel like there were mm. clear enough indicators. I often felt with the moods yeah. like I was kind of run just running down the list to see what was going to work. Mm. And I never felt super confident in a guess that a particular mood was definitely, they were definitely going to be weak to it. How, how did you feel about that? Yeah, yeah. I did feel like at the beginning, 
I just sort of would take a guess. It's like, you know, it's like Pokemon where you're just trying to determine which type uh, are, are they going to be. It's going to be super effective. Um, mm-hmm. They might be able to deflect, like they might be impossible to enrage or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. And you don't really know that until you tried it. Um, that being said, like later on in the game, um, like as you sort of make amends with a certain exes, um, you start to gain powers from them that you can add to your skill repertoire. Um, and one of them, uh, and, and these skills, uh, like similar to other turn-based RPGs, you have like an HP bar, then you also have like a, an energy. Yeah, like willpower. Magic points, willpower, yes, that determines which of your moves you can use. Um, and there are certain moves that replenish, uh, and those are those special skills. And one of them, if you start the battle with it, it reveals all the weaknesses of each mm-hmm. of the of the opponents. And so I'm at that point now where I just open every battle with that yeah. move. Um, yep. But until that point, yeah, it's it's a bit of just kind of guessing, um, which. Yeah. <laughs> Some may find tedious. I, I agree. It is a little tedious. Um I just I thought think- I was I was hoping it would be more like I don't know. I, I was hoping I would feel more like I was detecting something unless like yeah. I was just checking off of a list. Totally. Yeah. 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 Um I yeah, I don't I don't hate it the way it is. I just I from the way that it was tutorialized, I thought it was there was going to be a little more to it, and then like I didn't a tell, yeah, yeah a tell that was going to indicate which ones they were more likely to be susceptible to. But it, in practice, it, if that tell existed, I was too dense to pick up on, on what it was. Yeah, same. To be. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I love the the mood system and inflicting that, and again the the animations of how the characters behave when you've inflicted a status on them is really funny. You know, if, if you're yeah break their heart they get this cartoonish like these tears waterfalls Mm -hmm. pouring out of their eyes if you make them shocked uh their eyes get overlaid (laughs) with like these like great outlines and then these like bulging cartoonish eyes like (gasps) yeah Um, yeah it's it's very cool uh the way it's all animated and even the moves of of what jala does to inflict the statuses i thought i thought were really great and then you alluded to to the other main tool that they give you which are the summons um, which mm-hmm. are you can call in, and I, I don't want to spoil what any of the summons are because I just I think they're some of the <laughs> funniest uh, insertions into the game. But you do get summons where you can summon in other characters who exist in the game to help you, and those animations are absolutely delightful. hilarious. <laughs> yes, so delightful, and they do a ton of damage. So once you get a decent amount of summons, you can <laughs> kind of just spam those if you're finding the combat uh, too grindy. Um, or the totally. process of figuring out uh, what somebody's weakness is too tedious. So they give you options to kind of mix and match things in. Um, yeah. 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 Um, the cooking. Yes. What do you think about the cooking? Tell me about the oh, cooking. Oh my God. So the, this kind of gets back to the, the feeling scene-ness of the mm-hmm. game. Um Everything about the cooking is so good. Um, so cooking is like the main place where you can bond with your parents. Yes. Um, and that oh my god. So <laughs> Jala's mom is maybe my favorite character in the game. She's pretty she great. 
so spot on in terms of just like <laughs> inscrutable and iron walled, you know, South Asian mom for me, Southeast Asian mom and mm-hmm. everything from just the verbal sparring to the like um, double standards of like, uh, I can talk cryptically and passive aggressively to you, but as soon as you do it back to me, like you're not getting anywhere Yeah. Um, to the kind of dance of like, for me too, like I, I cook, being in the kitchen with my mom was like the main place where we could interact in a way where she was probably the most comfortable giving me somewhat positive feedback. And um, like, I also felt close to her because mm. Through cooking, I could learn more about even things like just her likes and dislikes and like her memories and just feeling like I could learn something from my mom in a safe-ish space. Like just, I can't even put it into words. Just that whole interaction was translated so incredibly well um, in this game. And even just the, so... uh, like the way the cooking scenes are set up, it's like the recipe you're trying to make is broken down into steps. Um, your performance on each of those steps determines how well, uh, like your mom's judgment of you and how well the dish turns out. Yep. Um, and there's also moments where you can, like as you're having conversation through the process of making the meal, uh, like, you know, like your mom could tell you to do something like, uh, you know, chop, chop the garlic and it's like you can just be like okay yes mom or you can try to take that opportunity to bring up something that's been on your mind that you want to talk about and it's a fucking the crapshoot like how that's gonna turn out like you might Mm -hmm. end up pissing her off you might end up um like there's this there's this thing where um as you're cooking like you have this bar of of chili peppers that fill up and as that Mm -hmm. bar fills up with chili peppers you can spend those peppers to like instead of just chop garlic you can super chop the garlic Mm -hmm. and you can do it with (laughs) even more flourish and panache um, to impress your mom even further Mm -hmm. um and this kind of gets into the like over-the-top animation style of this game. Like, Jala's not just standing there chopping garlic. She's doing, Mm-mm. like, backflips and <laughs> spinning the knives and, like, flipping the, the chopping board or cutting board around. And uh-huh. it's all just very, like, hilarious and over-the-top um, and stylized. And, um, you know, not only can you super chop, there's also an option where you can spend a chili pepper to compliment mom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's like... Uh, this when you choose to compliment mom, this wheel starts spinning, <laughs> and it's like a wheel of fortune. That compliment could land, and she could accept it and be very accommodating, and you could get further bonuses. Uh-huh. Or that that compliment could land, and she might get even more suspicious of you yeah. and be like, "Like, what the hell? You look so nice today." And if the wheel lands on like a negative, uh, she'll be like. Oh, what? So I look like trash the rest of the time? Like, what are you trying to say? Just, oh my God, the cooking scenes. I've never felt closer to my mom than playing these cooking (laughs) scenes and thinking back. And I just love that that's sort of like a, a universal thing that 
across the, you know, Asian diaspora, we can all kind of come together, <laughs> come together over the <laughs> battleground that is the kitchen and your parents. Like, yeah. um, so I, I just, uh, I really, really, I, I love, I do the, I do the cooking a lot just because, um, I think as someone a bit more estranged from my own mom, it, it, there's something about it that's like kind of comforting and like breaks, brings me back, uh, to more fond memories. Um, and also just food is like one of the only things some of us like third culture kids have is like, that's the closest tie we have back to our roots. And so just like everything else with this game, it's got such a bright, hilarious, fun exterior, but there's so many levels going on underneath um, stuff around intergenerational trauma and breaking cycles and the pain of not fully belonging to one culture or another and the pain of trying to understand your parents and coming from two very different perspectives. And it just brings it all together so beautifully. Um, so I like the cooking scenes a lot. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And and I think very similarly to the turn-based battles, the cookie, cooking scenes, which, you know, you've beautifully alluded to, but and like said as much, but they are completely interspersed with dialogue. Like, yes, I really appreciate that. Really, aside from the skating challenges, everything they give you to do in this game is an opportunity to further the narrative. Um, most of the cooking is completely optional. There are a handful of times, uh, you know, in the tutorial. And then there's a couple other moments later in the game. And and also, if you want to... Um, I don't think this is spoilery to say, but after you engage in the battles with your exes... Um, you'll be able to be in contact with them and you can actually that that opens up a line of side quests with that X that you can do. And if, you know, to further your relationship with them, not necessarily Mm -hmm. romantic. And in fact, Mm -hmm. um, this was a surprise to me, but the game is not a dating sim at all. There's Mm. you're not like picking which of your exes to get back together with. That's Mm. in terms of the, you know, romantic narrative to the story. Like, I think that's pretty much on rails. Like, what's going to happen is going to happen there. But by doing the side quest lines, you can learn more about the X and have more of a relationship with them as you continue towards healing what was broken there. But those side quests will sometimes ask you to, to make food. So the game does ask you to make the food sometimes, but it's a very large recipe book and you by no means have to make all of the recipes. Um, but there are rest- some recipes that you make with mom and some recipes that you make with dad. Um, mm-hmm. And those are, yeah, there's some of the best opportunities to get to know those two characters. And I think the mom and the dad are probably like some of the most rich and fully developed and realized characters in the game. Um, I absolutely love the relationship with both parents. Uh, you talked a lot about the relationship with the mom, but the dad is an absolute like sweetheart. And the yes. conversations that you can have with him, uh, you can learn a lot about, you know, I, I mentioned before uh, how your aunt, your auntie Chandra is a gay woman and you can have conversations with your dad about, yeah, what that, what that was like for him, how the family responded to her coming out, um, where he feels like he let her down. Uh, you know, he's, he's way more open than the mom and way more willing to like be emotionally vulnerable mm-hmm. with Jala. And so those moments also, uh, are really special. Some of the conversations that you can have with your dad while you're cooking and even talking with him about your own coming out and, uh, how he reacted to that and how he feels about, uh, you know, you as Jala leaving for three years and being away from the family and 
you can talk with him about his past and try to get some spicy details about uh, things that he did in his youth that he's not so proud of. Um, you can talk with him about his relationship with your mom. Um, just really, really great. The conversations that that become available there through the cooking. The actual gameplay of the cooking, though, is, again, a lot of QTE. So you're you're picking if you're doing like a regular garlic chop or a super garlic chop. And then that unlocks either a. <laughs> Uh, simpler or more complex QTE scene that plays mm-hmm, out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that I going back to the like emotional maturity aspect of the game that I really appreciate. What you just said reminded me too of just how much I appreciated the the humanizing of your parents. Like, I think this game does a really cool job of sort of peeling back the curtain a little bit and showing you that like your parents were young once and also like like how Jala is today didn't come out of nowhere there are aspects of both of her parents mm-hmm. that you very clearly see over the course of the game like where she got certain traits from where she got certain behaviors from and and it's subtle the way that the game shows you that like just through talking to them and learning more about their own past you you understand Jala a lot better too and i just think that that's pure narrative craftsmanship like the fact mm-hmm. that you really are sort of like oh and, and i think it's validating too as a queer person to be like i think our parents a lot of the times are like I didn't raise you to be like this. Like, where did you, why are you like this? Like, I don't understand you. I don't want to understand you. And it's like, bitch, I came from somewhere <laughs> and the somewhere is in the room with us. So like, <laughs> this didn't just... The phone call is coming from inside the house. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's just like so much of this game is so validating and, yep. and deeply, deeply seeing. And, and that's just, uh, it's just, it's just awesome. So I can't, yeah. I can't emphasize that enough. I think some of the late game conversations that you can get uh, to with the mom too, where she uh, Jala does get a little braver and pushes her mom a little harder to be more honest and be a little more open. And uh, you know, I'm I'm not going to go too far down the rabbit hole here for the sake of spoilers, but you know, the mom starts to open up about the complicated relationship she has with her own mother Mm -hmm. and how much of herself that she sees in Jala and how much of that informs the way that she treats Jala because Mm -hmm. you know, she was raised a certain way. And even though she doesn't like the way her mom made her feel, that's what she has to fall back on as parenting strategy and, and how she's trying to reconcile that. And yeah. doesn't want Jala to make some of the same mistakes that she thinks she may have made. Mm. Um, you know, you, you do find out in the game that like Patsy, Jala's grandmother, her, her mother's mom doesn't, didn't really support her mother marrying, uh, the the father because he was Sri Lankan and mm-hmm. not Indian like and also didn't support them moving to the U S um, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. wanted them to stay in India so you know yeah that intergen intergenerational trauma the family dynamics especially within immigrant communities are really uh, well represented in the game and talked through with a lot of grace and thought mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And thoughtfulness um. I want to talk a bit about the RPGness of the game because the game does set itself up as a role-playing game um, and starts with what I think is one of the more fun ways to have you do a character builder, so to speak, which is that at the very start of the game, um, 
Jala is right, you know, on the bus riding back home to Timber Hills, and she takes like a teen magazine quiz about her thirst sona. And you are the person who's responding to those questions, and that's what kind of assigns your initial RPG points um, as you're playing the game. Uh, the game has kind of three tracks that it puts you on. Uh, you can be the Heartbreaker, the Star, or the Bohemian. And those each have like a, you know, a, a description to what they are and what that says about Jala as a character, but that also co- corresponds to the way you, your stats level up. Um, I can't actually articulate right now what the distinction is between the three, but like one of them gives you more attack. One of them gives you more defense. One of them, yeah. uh, you know, gives you more, I think kind of like it increases more your willpower and your HP. So they kind of all shake out. And then as the game goes on, so your initial persona assigns your initial points and classifies you as one of those three things. And then as the game goes on, as you make dialogue decisions, uh, certain key dialogue decisions will result in a stat point into one of those categories uh, based on how you're responding. And then you'll also earn bonus points, which you can apply to any of the categories based on how you want to level up your stats. Um, how did you find the engagement with the RPG system? Did you feel like this really classifies as a role-playing game? Did that work for you? I guess I feel like it's a role-playing game in the sense that I'm literally playing a role, specific role, and there are turn-based battles, I, I guess, and there are the this light, light class system. Um, well, maybe let me rephrase it another way. How much of yourself did you feel you were infusing into Jala? Hmm. I think that in my in my interactions, I feel like I strove to make dialogue choices when available that felt the most me or maybe the self that I hope to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, when it came to, you know, as you level up and you're adding points to either, uh, you know, building up the heartbreaker star or bohemian um, classes. And those like heartbreakers, like you're not afraid to say what needs to be said, even if it hurts people's feelings. Star is like, you've got people pleasing uh, syndrome in your blood and you feel this need to be liked by everyone. I mostly Bohemian, fell into star much to my own chagrin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Bohemian was more like you go with the flow and you're a bit more like uh, you know freedom is like your most important thing. Yeah, like you don't want to be tied exactly, down by anything. Exactly. Um, I kind of just felt like so when it came to spending points on those three, I just went for which stat I was trying to mm-hmm. increase and didn't care so much about which bucket the specific points fell into. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I guess I didn't really commit. Like, it wasn't like I know in the quiz, I think I got star in the very beginning. I love that. I love that that the way it was set up was like a love personality quiz by the way just genius um yeah but like i think i got star at the beginning but i didn't feel like i was really committing to that throughout the game i was just trying to build a balanced uh you know health and willpower and yeah and attack and defense and so yeah what about you yeah i mean i think it's a little unclear outside of the you know stat go up uh, implications, mm-hmm. which and the stats are really simple. It's it's literally the four stats. It's your your health, your willpower, 
um, your attack power and your defense power. Like that's mm-hmm. a, that's it. That's that's all you're getting for stats. Like they do, they definitely keep it on the simple side, and I I think that's all it needs to be. That's not a knock against the game. Um, but in terms of like the impact beyond the stats that placing points into buckets was having, I was unclear. It, it tells you that it can have an impact on the story. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think the game is designed that you would want to like replay it a bunch of times. Like it doesn't feel like a game where I think if I replayed it a different way, I'd get like a branching narrative. Like, yeah, I don't, I don't yeah. think it's a branching narrative at all. Yeah. So I'm curious what the impact really is on, on the story. And it wasn't something I was able to discern in one playthrough. Um, my assumption is that it would not be dramatic, uh, yeah. depending on where you fell into. I did like. Uh, you know, comparing it to something like uh, Stray Gods, we talked about the RPG, the way the RPG mechanics were infused with the dialogue system in Stray Gods. I really didn't like how you pre-selected your category and then that locked out different dialogue mm-hmm. options. I thought that was a really weird way to do it that didn't really work for me. So in that yeah. regard, I liked a lot better what Thirsty Suitors tries to do in terms of turning dialogue into a way to build RPG stats. Because I'm just making the choices that I would naturally make. And then those are giving me RPG stats and like assigning me a character role based on the way I'm responding. Mm-hmm. I like that system a lot more. I just don't know if ultimately that system impacted very much. Yeah. That's yeah. kind of how I feel about it. Yeah. I think it was a perfectly okay, like frosting to have on the game. Mm-hmm. It just mm-hmm. wasn't the, you know, I don't know how much of a real impact it's having on the gameplay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. What else is there to highlight with this game? I mean, the art is amazing. So yeah. colorful. The character designs are awesome. Amazing. The, uh, just the life and all of the movements. Like, nothing is... Yes. There's no basic walk animation. No. Like, you are strutting the cat, the catwalk, <laughs> getting downtown. And not just strutting. Like, Jala is... <laughs> she's so like she's constantly in motion and i think that's you (laughs) know you you talked about this game having kind of like a more of a classic feel or like a early aughts kind of feel in terms of the overall design but the thing that feels incredibly modern is just how much jala is moving and how Mm -hmm. smooth that is i mean all of the in the battles all of the attacks you can have are so motion-based she's Mm. twirling things around she's jumping she's upside down she's kicking there's, you know, she's all over the place. But even then, just in things like every day when you come home at the end of the day, wow. she does like this cartwheel move that is just so smooth and looks so fucking cool to like get out of her jacket. And like it ends, it's this fluid motion that she does. And it ends with her jacket and her Walkman being like hung up, her shoes off. Mm-hmm. And she's like <laughs> prancing about the kitchen, her weird little jog. <laughs> Yeah, her gay little walk. It's just this boppy little uh, jog. The way she comes down the stairs in the morning for breakfast where she like kick flips off the fucking top of the stairs. Even just washing your hands, she like does a flip. And your your parents and other characters in the game are animated this way too. I mean, something we didn't talk about with the cooking animations, but it's like 
I absolutely have you done a cook with your dad yet? Yes, yes. His animations in particular, when he's approving of what you're doing, like he has this one he does where he puts his thumb up and then he just like <laughs> dra- like slowly like sinks behind the counter. Um, yeah. or he like puts his thumb up and like lifts his leg up to it and like does this little kick spin move. Yeah. Uh, so all the characters are doing these just absurd movements. Um yeah, yeah just the and motion too, and energy like- of the game is so great. I feel like that goes back to the kind of seeing the three lines between who Jala's character is. Cause like your mom doesn't do gymnastics like that while you're Mm-mm. cooking. And so you see your dad doing it the first time when you cook with him and you're like, oh, okay, this, yeah. I'm starting to see where I get this, this kind yeah. of movement from. That's um, a great point. And I think too, like the game is so surreal and stylized that at first I was thinking like, okay, these movements are just for me, the player, like just to get more of, 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 of Jala's character and immerse in the game. But mm-hmm. at one point, like you do all that shit, chopping some garlic and your mom is like, must you like do all of these gymnastics <laughs> and forest just to chop garlic? And I'm like, oh, hold up. She's fully out here. <laughs> like doing this. Yeah, yeah, you're you're really doing it. Um, but it just so adds to the sense of humor that the game yes. has and just makes it even more of a it's a visual treat to just look at, yes. to just watch it, watch things play out. Mm-hmm. Um We've said it a few times, but I really can't lift up the voice acting enough. It's mm-hmm. so good uh, throughout. I love all of the different characters' voices, um, the audio design. Uh, oh, one thing we didn't talk about yet, but like at the, it's just the sweetest. I think it's just the cutest little thing that they have in the game. Uh, when Jala comes home at the end of the night, every mm-hmm. day you end by coming home. The house is dark. You can go into the kitchen and get food out of the fridge, yeah. Uh, which food or food is used as like healing items or to replenish your willpower and stuff during fights. So you can go over to the fridge and you can get leftovers out of the fridge, and you'll be able to use those the next day for any fights that you get into. And then to end the day, you go sit on the couch with your dad, um, who's mm-hmm. up late watching TV. Your mom goes to bed early, and you just kind of hang out with him until you fall asleep every night. And they'll have these cute little conversations. Sometimes Jella doesn't want to talk, and it's very sweet how her dad will like recognize that, and mm-hmm. she'll be like, "I just want to go to sleep," and he's like, "Okay, I'll put on something like boring." And she's like, yeah. Every, "Everything you watch is boring." Yeah. <laughs> um, and then she falls asleep on his shoulder and then he very sweetly carries her upstairs on his <laughs> back to bed, which, yeah, it, yeah it's just such a cute it's little really sweet. touch. Uh, mm-hmm. Sorry, I'm trying not to sneeze. Um, <laughs> yeah, is there anything else with the game that you wanted to shout out that really touched you? Uh, just all of it. I think <laughs> just like, even though it's this very cartoonish animation, I still feel like you, the characters, say, their design and their movements say so much about who they are, um, which is no easy feat. Like, and I can't even really articulate. It's like, you feel like you've met these characters. Like, you feel like uh, they just they just feel very fully realized and three-dimensional and loved and made by and for you know, queer and trans, um, you know, people of color, like they just, there's just a, again, it just goes back to the, the seeing, the being seen. Mm-hmm. Um, like none of them feel like stereotypes in any way. And they also feel 
really authentic, like, like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, I, I know this person. And ah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I pulled I a quote. I pulled a quote from uh, Swapna Krishna, uh, who's actually someone we had as a guest on the podcast back in yeah. August 2021. She came on to talk about Mass Effect uh, with us, uh, but she wrote a piece for Wired, a review of Thirsty Suitors, uh, and the review's titled "Thirsty Suitors is a hilarious and refreshing game made for the South Asian community." I mean, she had this quote in it um, where she says, this is a game made for the South Asian American community. Those who immigrated as kids or like myself were born in the United States to immigrant parents and found themselves caught between two worlds. The main purpose Mm -hmm. of this game is to make us who are often so forgotten in modern media and pop culture feel seen. We're so Mm -hmm. used to seeing ourselves in people who don't look like us, don't act like Mm -hmm. us and don't have our mixed backgrounds and cultures because it's all we've had. And often the representation we have now in pop culture isn't actually about us. Instead, it's about educating other communities about us. Mm. Sure, I can relate to those characters, but it's not really feeling seen. That's why it's so revolutionary to experience something that feels like it was made for me and for people like me, which clearly Thirsty Suitors was. I'm like, ah, I didn't, I didn't even see that. I'm like, yes, <laughs> yes. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> yes. So. I think we highly recommend folks check out Thirsty Suitors, especially um, if you're a queer person, especially if you're someone who's from the South Asian community. Um, this game is it's really special. I think anybody can connect with it, but I mm-hmm. think it clearly has a really special place um, for folks who are from those identities. Mm. So go check the game out. Please. Yes, please. If there's Time, one more game oh, you play, in yeah. If there's one more, there's one more game you squeeze in this year. <laughs> Sorry to cut you off. <laughs> no, no, you're fine. I was gonna wrap us up, but I, yeah, I think that's true. There's been so many good games this year. Try to find time for squeezing this one in. Uh, but time is up for today's session of Pixel Therapy. Thank you for tuning in, and we hope that listening to our thoughts and feelings gave you some thoughts and feelings of your own. If you want more Pixel Therapy, come check us out at Patreon.com/PixelTherapyPod you can sign up for free to stay up to date on everything we have going on or subscribe for as little as two dollars a month and snag that sweet monthly bonus episode we'll be live streaming video games on tuesday and thursday this week and every week at 8 p.m eastern time over on the pixel therapy pod youtube channel so give us a subscribe there and ring the bell to get notifications every time we go live and of course you can also support the show by rating and reviewing us on apple podcasts and following us on twitter at pixel therapy pod that stuff is just as important and we appreciate it just as much. Finally, since we like to put our money and our energy where our mouth is, we end every episode with a recommended side quest. Um, this week, we encourage you to check out ceasefiretoday.com. Um, this is an international collection of resources designed to help you demand a ceasefire in Gaza from your local representatives, um, spread awareness in your own social networks, and donate to humanitarian causes on the ground who are working tirelessly to provide life-saving medical aid to children and other vulnerable civilians. Um, that's ceasefiretoday.com. Thank you for that side quest, Spencer, that those movements continue to be very important. Um, That is our show for today. So go forth, run a story mission, level up some stats, and don't forget to hug an NPC every now and then. We'll be back soon with some more Pixel Therapy. Therapy.